that's the good news. That's good news. Um, so uh, we're going to pray here in a minute. Here's what I want you to do. Um, just take a little bit of a deep breath, okay? Um, because it, it, church, church is a weird thing. It, it just is. We all get weird when it comes to church. Because, I mean, first and foremost, it's kind of like, you know, you, for sure this is the best behavior we'll have all week. I mean, right, and no one's cutting up like they do around the house. Megan tells me what Patrick does at home, okay? I, but isn't it weird, though? No matter how much we try to fight it, church just becomes a weird place, and, and we almost forget, like, why we're here. You know, we really can feel like so much it can be almost a performance, and, and we think, oh, that's great. Okay, here's some songs. Maybe you liked them. Maybe you didn't. Okay, we're going to have, and then we have communion. And we, have, and we just kind of go through it. And you know what's really helpful to me is just to take a deep breath and go, hold on a minute here. Let, our real purpose here, it, it doesn't matter if you're a member of the Clemson Foothills Church or not, whether you live in California or you live in Georgia or North Carolina or wherever you live, um, is that we have gathered together because we want to hear God's voice. Um, and not just in a sermon. We, we want to hear in the songs. We want to hear in the fellowship. We, we want to hear God in our brothers and sisters. We want to hear that. Um, and if we're all amped up like we generally live, almost all of us here live that way, we're just amped. I mean, this, the volume is up. The speed of life is fast. I mean, we are, you know, just can't wait to get to the next thing. Um, you know what we'll stop doing is listening for the voice of God. And then what we become, seriously, man, it's just a club. It's just a place we go to. And we hope that God will let us be with him because we came and spent an hour or two on a Sunday morning in the Madron Conference Center. Okay. <laughs> if you hadn't noticed, this isn't holy ground necessarily we're on here. Okay. It is just a building. All right. So take a deep breath. We're going to pray. I want you to really just lock in um, and, and whatever you're thinking about, just just kind of let it go for a little bit here. And let's hear God's voice as we read his word. Okay, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you uh, for um, the amount of everything, God, that you lavish on us. Your, your mercy, God, you, you, your grace, um, you, uh, you equip us um, beyond what we're even able to do. Um, you give us everything that, the, that we need in life and, and for eternity uh, when we don't deserve it, God. And, and uh, I, I do pray that you help us hear your voice, God, that um, uh, we will uh, step off the little thrones that we make for ourselves. Um, that, that we don't order you around to do things, God, but that we hear um, what you want us to go and do. Please, God, we want to join you in your work. We know you're working everywhere, God. Please just count us worthy to join you in your work, Father. And we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, this summer we've been talking about um, essentially a word that um, is very Christianized, right? I mean, it's humility. Um, I I don't know about you. I mean, I've used that word now for, like, in a Christian sense for a couple decades. Um, I can pretty safely say that I had no idea what I was talking about. Like, I can define the word for you. Um, I can point out who isn't humble. 
And isn't that amazing? That part comes so easy. That's so simple to me because I'm like, dude, I just know when you aren't humble. And you know when people aren't humble, right? I mean, that's like a spiritual gift in the church almost, all right? But here's the truth of the matter is, is that, that this is the part that hopefully is sinking in over the past few months um, is this idea of, I think first and foremost, we all believe we are humble. Like what our definition of humility is. But I would love for you to kind of explore your life because, again, I, as I've studied this, I've thought I've had no idea what I've talked about over the last 18, 19 years. Like I know the word. I get the concept. I can give you some people. You know, Moses, he was the most humble man. I mean, we use that like it's supposed to change me. Right? I mean, it's like, you know what? We're going to talk about uh, humility. Moses was the most meek. He was the most humble. And, and I don't know what I want back from you on that. Like, you're supposed to go, man, he is so humble for saying that. <laughs> you know, for, for giving information. I think that's what I've, I've really summed it up the most. You want to know what is the worst habit I've fallen into? And I'll bet you anything, at some point at least, you've fallen into it as well, is that you've thought Christianity had to do with information. You thought because you knew the right answers or because you had something and you knew something that somebody else didn't know that that made you like really incredible in the sight of God. All right. And here's the truth of the matter is if it's just about information and if you really just came to hear somebody preach about information about what humility is and isn't, I don't know. Do we leave here and go, man, it is so great that we have more information on that. Is that amazing? Is that what Jesus called you to? He goes, guys, if you just have a lot of information, it doesn't matter that you don't live it out. Just have the information because that's what the world wants, right? Just more information, right? So we're digging into this. We're, we're, we're uh, talking about not just what humility is. We're not just talking about figuring out who is prideful, right? We're trying to really journey into this place of embracing humility, all right. We, we talked a little bit last week about the idea of the, our goal isn't to avoid being prideful. All right. You, you've done that before, right? Like, dude, just don't be prideful. That's great advice. That's great advice. OK, that's the it reminds me of advice that was given on our vacation a couple weeks ago. OK, is that Jennifer was uh, she got up her first time water skiing. OK, just popped up. Boom. OK, that's the worst news for any husband, by the way. OK. <laughs> That's the worst news, okay? And so when Brent got out there, and you guys know Brent, there is no sport he doesn't slay, okay? His, his physical and athletic prowess is unmatched, okay? So, so, so we're going, Joker's going to get right up, okay? Jennifer got up, he's getting up, okay? So needless to say, the wind was blowing in the wrong direction. So something happened, and he wasn't able to. And Jennifer says to him, don't let go. I was like, that's brilliant. Because if you don't let go, you will ski, right? But here's the thing is, is, is we, so our goal, why I'm saying that is our goal isn't to be like, hey, listen, dude, don't be prideful. Like, Thanks. Like, that doesn't help me at all. Of course, don't be prideful. Like, like we're a bunch of theologians. Like, dude, great advice. Man, I'm, you know, we really disciple hearts here, <laughs> all right? Just don't be prideful. We're trying to go a little deeper, all right, and embrace humility, okay? There's only one thing. Here's, here's the deal is, and, and some of you, the more jaded amongst you, okay? I'm not looking at Jacob. 
you're going to go, he, he's going to say something, and if he doesn't stop saying this thing, I'm going to go crazy, okay? But I'm saying it often because I want you to say this often, okay? I don't want you ever to open your Bible and not think this way. There's only one thing that will unlock true humility. There is only one thing, okay? You can't will it. You can't go and try really hard to get it. There's only one thing, and it's the gospel. That's it, okay? Now, this is another one of those words, okay, that I've used for quite a while, and I've looked at it, and I'm like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about, okay? Because the information of the gospel doesn't help anyone. Anyone can spout off the information of the gospel of Jesus coming to earth and dying and being buried and rising again. And, and have you ever thought, like sitting in church, you ever thought, uh, how's that supposed to help me? Like, that's great information. How's that supposed to help me? Like, where's the power in that? Like, do I just, is that like a, and some of us, you've used it as almost like, like a, some kind of magic saying. Well, if I say it, then things will change. And we're going, no, no, no. See, that's information. We've been fooled that the gospel is just information. When it, this is a, I, I love this quote. I'm going to kind of just lay this in front of you here. Being able to articulate the gospel with accuracy is one thing. Having its truth captivate your soul is quite another. Having it captivate your soul is very different. The goal of the gospel is to produce a people consumed with a passion for God and a love for others. This is a scary ground to go into in church. All right. And, and it's really interesting because I feel like over the last couple of years, I'm learning like real gospel. All right. Um, and it brings a lot of fear. I, I've had input even that that, Keith, we've got to kind of relax on this just a little bit because here's what's happening is, 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 is this kind of scares people sometimes. And then people feel like, like really what we want, and, and honestly, the truth of the matter is most of you all want from a preacher, is for me to give you three things for you to go and work on. And when you work on those three things, then God really is happy with you. But when I present the gospel, something ha might happen that is very scary in your life. You might realize, I'm not following Jesus. I just like being a part of a group. Like your heart gets revealed. Like, man, you, like, okay, so what do you expect me to do now? You expect me to go, like, you didn't even tell me what to do today, Keith. I'm going, the gospel tells me what to do every day. The gospel tells me what to do every minute. The gospel tells me what to do in, in a godly way every second. Man, I, we spend so much time trying to fix like little things like going, okay, hey, listen, if you want to, you know, let's have a 20 part series on dating in the kingdom. My thing is, is why don't you live by the gospel? That answers all my questions. But the truth is, if I give you 10 things to do and you go do those 10 things, we feel better. We feel more spiritual right. instead of going, hold on a minute. I very well may look at the gospel and say, I don't love Jesus. I don't love him. I don't know the gospel. I'm not living by the gospel. And you want to know what? It's not the role of the church to say we better not travel that road. If you find out that you don't love Jesus, there's two things that have to happen. And you may have said, I've been a Christian forever. And the gospel's been presented and you're going, I'm not consumed by it. This isn't what I'm all about. I'm all, I'm all about what people tell me to do and I go do it. All right? I'm not about 
captivated. My soul isn't captivated. I'm going to say this is then follow Jesus. Like get real about that. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. Like get real. Okay. I mean, really be humble enough to go, man, I joined a club. All right. And, and, and listen, I don't know about you. I didn't, I'm not following Jesus to be part of a club. I love Jesus. All right. Or, you know, you may go, man, I don't, I, I don't love Jesus. You can sit here and fake it for the rest of your life. It's not going to help in the end. There's no points for faking it. There's no points for that, okay? And so it's so important because the gospel is what gives us energy to do what we've been told to do, right. all right? And we oftentimes get that so backwards, okay? So here, these are the principles, and, and again, my, here, this is my hope and prayer for every single person on the face of the earth, is that whenever we open the Bible, sit down with one another, pray together, read the Bible, have any kind of small groups, that the first thing we think of is, is what I'm doing gospel-centered? Because it's, man, it's just way too busy to get, it's way too easy to just do spiritual things and be busy and go, I am so proud of myself. Listen, I spent... And I continue to do it. But I'm saying I probably spent 15, 16 years doing that. I'm just like, man. And then, you know, you get all kind of weirded out and all that kind of stuff. And going back and saying, hold on a minute. Every time I open my Bible, every time I'm with somebody, every morning when I wake up, every I want these principles to be so ingrained in me. All right. And I hope that that's what you're thinking, that you're not waking up in the morning and going, man, you know what? If I don't do all the right things today, God is not going to be happy with me. All right, this is the, there's nothing, and I want to underline, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more than he does this second right now. Nothing. And I would be, I would bet more than half of us sitting here would go, that's not true. Because it's not the God, your life, your spiritual life hasn't been about the gospel. Your spiritual life has been about, no, no, no. But when I do good things, God loves me more. Oh, uh, Keith, are you saying that, man, if we start saying this, people are going to be all about sin and like, oh, I can just sin. Like, in what relationship is that true? Like, Like, my son isn't perfect, okay, but there's never a moment that I don't love him to the greatest extent as right now. Does that not mean he messes up and we have trouble and we have to talk and we sometimes it's hard and sometimes he's frustrated and sometimes i'm frustrated all right i'm not saying that it's just like dude do whatever you want but it's the idea of almost everyone i talk to would say um if god were to walk up if jesus were to walk up to me he his first thing to me wouldn't be like dude i love you so much he would give us a list of all the things that he's tired of us that's what most of our reality is And then our spiritual life, you know what it becomes? We feel better when we go, okay, he's not happy with me. He wants me to have better quiet times. So I have better quiet times. Now he's happy with me. You know what that definition of that is? Humanism. That ain't Christianity. That's a a religion that can't save you, that you will be judged on one day. That Jesus will go, hold on a minute. It, It sounded like me, but it was about you. Now you go judge yourself, but you can't get in here. Okay? Because we think we can do things. We think that we can, and then what ends up happening is, you ever had this happen? Things just start going so well, like, like you're, you check the list off, right? I mean, tithing, 
quiet time, church attendance, small group attendance, evangelism. You go, man, I'm five for five today. Dude, I am awesome. What's your problem? Like, what's you? You three for five? Yeah, you're going, I'm five for five. You ever been that way before? You're like, dude, I am rolling. I am so, like, in touch with Jesus. And, and I, man, God, thank you so much that I'm not like this man. Like, well, no, 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 but we would never say that for sure, huh? But it's that idea of going, now I'm ready. I'm ready to get in there with some people. All right? Like, I'm all geared up. What you, what you got for me? Well, Keith, how about your quiet time? Awesome. How about your, more than you? How about your evangelism? Shared more? You know, so now back down, okay? And it becomes this humanistic club of who's better, who's worse, who's insecure, who's prideful. Does that sound like the church Jesus died for? Yeah. It doesn't sound like that at all for me. But without this, without us just taking a deep breath and going, you know what? Your goal when you woke up this morning is not to get God to love you more. In fact, life will be so much better when you will just wake up and go, thank God I don't have to do anything to make him love me more. Boy, the, the pressure's off today. The pressure is off. Well, what if I mess up? Okay, what if you mess up? You're going to mess up. But again, it may put you in contact with something that you're following a Jesus that, that's a different Jesus. Okay? It, you don't you go, he's making that up. That's exactly what Romans 5 verse 6 says. Is it at the right time? Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. Why is that okay for us to use on people that were like, I really want you to get baptized, so I'm going to use that on you. But if you've been a disciple a few years, we ain't using that on you. No, 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 no. You're not getting that verse. When did that stop? Where in Romans does it say that we can't do that? I'm going, that's a truth. Either he died when we were ungodly or he didn't. Either he was waiting for us to get good enough to die for, or he didn't. All right? But I'm telling you, that we have got to revolutionize our thinking on this. Okay? And I hope it makes you uncomfortable. I hope it makes you think like, oh, now, you know what's going to happen with the church? The church is going to get all messed up. I'm going, Listen, here's the truth. The church will, Jesus is the king of the church. All right? I mean, seriously, if you honestly think, that it's all about you, man, you take four steps back. It isn't, all right? Jesus is not sitting up there going, gosh, if something happens to Patrick, oh, my goodness, what will happen to my kingdom? Oh, gosh, he's not going to, oh, my goodness, but he is so spiritual and he's so deep. If he weren't here, because we think that it's people, right? We actually think that it's like, no, the people who perform well, those are the ones the church is built on. That doesn't seem to be true in the Bible. Anyway, this is a principle I hope we dig into every single day. Here's the second part of just a gospel-based principle. I hope every one of us make this commitment again every single morning. Jesus said it in John. I mean, don't take my word for it. Jesus actually said, a new command I give you in John 13, verse 34. As I have been to you, so you must be to others. Again, if we were like booking through this like super fast, many people in here would go, I do that. And I believe that we think we do that. I absolutely believe we think we do that. Okay? Here's the problem. When I start writing down how Jesus has treated me, 
when I start writing down about how Jesus has loved me, when I start writing down all that stuff, I'm going, oh, my goodness. Like, I, it's like foreign to me, you know? It's like, oh, my goodness. You mean he, let's just talk patience. <laughs> let's just talk grace. Let's just talk mercy. Wow. And, and it's so quick for us. We can leave here and go, I am so sick and tired of that dude is acting that way still. And we get all bent out of shape with one another. I'm so angry that that guy doesn't get it on straight. I'm going, hold on a minute. Okay. Um, listen, Jesus isn't okay with sin in any way, shape, or form. But how much patience has, how patient has he been with you? How, how patient, really? And so what he's essentially saying is, okay, so if you were to just take that like minute little character trait, of patience, of how Jesus has been patient with us. He essentially says, now you go do that to others. Oh, oh yeah, Jesus loved us when we were his enemy. How many enemies do we have that we love? How many? Or has Christianity just become kind of like the way we fight with people? I just, this is a small piece. I'm just saying that if we're going to be serious about the gospel, we've got to be serious about Jesus' gospel, right? These are just the principles. Here's the hardest one for me. This one right here, okay, is the most subtle. This one right here, you want to know what? About four or five months ago, I thought I dug all the way down around this thing. Man, I just like brushed the dust off the top of it, okay? Philippians 3.10. Paul says, I have one goal. That's it. I have one goal, to know Jesus. That's, that's my only goal in life. In fact, everything I've ever done, which in Paul's time was, was great. He had done a lot of really important things. He says, it's all rubbish compared to this. My single passion isn't a great retirement. A spouse, right? Children, money. My, but that becomes our single passion is, but man, if God, if you ever said this, God, if you give me that, then I will be so more, much more faithful. If you just give me this thing, I, I'll be joyful. And, and Jesus is going, man, Everything that the greatest thing that could happen to me and you has already happened. If you thought about that, that's what the gospel is actually saying. The greatest thing in the world that could ever have happened to us has already happened. And he's saying, now go treat other people. But is my single passion that like if God were to go? Yeah, but today, Keith, like what if you had a meeting every day with the physical embodied Jesus? You open up your quiet time. There's Jesus sitting next to you with a cup of coffee. And he says, okay, hey, um, so today, like, like Keith, I, I know you're really passionate about me, right? You, absolutely, totally passionate about you, love you, you're my Lord. You know, and just say all the things we say. And he goes, okay, so today what I've chosen you to do to glorify me is, um, man, you're just going to be basically treated horribly all day. Um, you're going to have a close friend betray you. Um, man, every, the, in your life, the wheels are going to come off today. You go, for real? <laughs> really? 
hold up a minute. But no, no, Keith, I'm your passion though, right? Like, but I'm telling you, if God were to say, Keith, but in order for my name to be glorified in your world today in Clemson, this has to happen. Believe me, I know this. I'd be like, uh, hold on a minute. Uh, I've had a quiet time every day this week. Uh, Am I not giving enough? Like, what have I done to you? Have you ever prayed that? Like, what have I done to you? Okay? Because my passion isn't just about him. It's about me getting things from him. Right? And so we're we're all messed up on the gospel. Because we're going, oh, man, what what did I do to you? What am I doing wrong? Why aren't you listening to my prayers? And and we're not listening to Jesus enough going, I need you exactly where you're doing. And we go, well, he would never do that. Well, he did it to Jesus. God did it to Jesus. Right? I mean, God told you, Jesus, here, I got a plan for you. And it didn't be a CEO. And it didn't be the, the, the guy that everybody loves and, 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 and fawns over and all that kind of stuff. Your job is to die on that earth. And what if Jesus were to go, that ain't worth it to me. You're not worth it to me. I mean, what have I done to you? I haven't even sinned. All right? So this is what I'm saying is, is these principles that we've got to embody this, man. I, this is the whole ballgame. We, we can't even touch humility. Like, we can't get close to humility. All right? We're playing with humility if we aren't embodying this. And when I say playing with it, I mean, we're just like throwing it around. I mean, my favorite thing to throw around is, that this is just like, you open up my brain and see what's in there, okay? Is I would think, what can I say that people would go, that dude's humble. And you've probably done that too. What can I say? And then here's the, here's the part that irritates me. When people don't think I'm humble after I've done that, I'm like, what kind of jerk is that person? Like, do they not even know? They're so jaded. They don't even see humility when it's in front of them. All right? I'm just telling you, these are the thoughts that go through my mind. And don't laugh like they don't go through your mind, okay? Because they do. All right? But the, just these principles of just, man, these have got to be what is the fabric of our lives, of, uh, the DNA of our spiritual lives. Because here's the crazy thing is, not just information about the gospel, but the gospel is the only thing that will unlock true humility. It's the only thing that will be, see, see what the gospel says, you want to know what, Keith, it's safe to come out here and not be the man. That, that's, what, that's what the gospel says. Keith, it's safe to come out and be a mess. It's safe to come out and not make yourself look like something different. It's safe. That's what the gospel says because humility is saying, okay, I don't make much of myself. I make much of God. That's scary because I want people to make much of me, right? You say, well, when, when do we do that in the church? I mean, just listen. Let, you, listen to the baptism, some of the sharing, man. I mean, that's like the, the best time if you want to hear it and you go, Man, Patrick's getting baptized this day, and we're going, man, Patrick, I remember when I first met you. It doesn't matter who you are, okay? It doesn't matter that you are even trying. I remember when I first met you. Man, I've never known anybody that was as bad a sinner as you. And then me and you talked, and I opened the Bible for you, and now you're a disciple. I'm like, really? Hold up a minute here. Like, first of all, I don't know if Patrick was the worst, you know, but it becomes about us. Like, you know, I remember when God sent me to you, and that's why you're saved right now. And it, and it subtly turns. Humility says, dude, you know what, man? People don't have to say a whole lot of good things about you. That's a scary place to be. I'm just telling you. It's scary. If you haven't, if you haven't like, tried that, it's scary. 
Because you're like, I don't want to be insecure. I want people to like build me up and all this kind of stuff. Listen, Jesus takes care of that. Right? I mean, we, let's not lose sight of it. We are talking about faith, right? Do I really even trust that he, or, or, or let me just take it in my own hands, right? And let me, everything I say, even Christianly say, let me make it about me, right? Let me make it about, about all the things that, and so hopefully when you leave here, you're like, man, that dude, gosh, man, God is really with him. Man, I didn't even thought about that script. That's awesome. And that's great. Except, you know what? Jesus didn't die for that. Jesus did not die, so I would be known as a good preacher. And Jesus didn't die uh, so that everyone would think you're the greatest thing in the world either. Okay? The gospel says it's safe to be humble. Come on out, because you want to know what? It's not people we're trying to please anymore. God is going, I, I know you're a mess, and I would die for you this moment again. I've seen what you did this week. I have seen what you did this week. And I still, you are my prized possession. Get over here. All right? And most of us are going, no, he's like this. No, you're going to stay away from me. You're not going to make my church dirty. You're not going to make people struggle. You're going to stand out there. You're going to stand outside the camp old school style. Isn't that amazing how the Christian church, no, 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 you go stand out there. Until you get all embarrassed and ashamed, then people will know they're not going to mess around with that sin anymore. You just go, no, man, get over here and give me a hug. Like, get over here. This is the only place that's safe is near him. All right? Humility is an amazing thing because here's the deal. And like I said, I feel like I'm just kind of dusting this off a little bit. There's nothing that brings more freedom than that. When the gospel leads us to humility, there's freedom. Okay, let me tell you what I mean by that. What are we free to? do live (laughs) i know we say this again wow man there are so many things i think we read and say in the bible and and go hold on a minute is this real in my life like do i have real i don't mean just like it's fun in my church um but my fear is there's a lot of us you're not living you're performing you're putting on a performance for people like, that leader needs to see me do this. And this person needs to see that I... Most of the time where we get derailed is our humility goes before people rather than God. I'm going to get some credit for some humility. I've asked 50 people for their advice today on something. Oh, well, amen. You could have got 50 pieces of bad advice. <laughs> like, you don't get to trade that in. You don't get to go, oh, see, what well, God is going to see how humble I am when I'm really humble to people. He's like, no, 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 when we're humble to him first. And then we go find people who are humble to him and get some advice, right? So there's a performance and a dance that goes on, and a lot of y'all know what that looks like and and what it sounds like and the words it sounds like, right? And and it's that idea of, man, I know the right words to say, and I know to talk about how I'm struggling, and I know when to confess, and I know when to do the right thing, and I know when to say the right thing, but you know deep down. You're like, man, I'm trying everything just to hold up my persona. I just know how to perform. And then you go home and you're finished and you're frustrated and you hate your brothers and sisters. And you won't forgive anyone because you're performing. There's no power in a performance. Jesus said, I'm going to give you life. Humility gives us the freedom to live. Okay, here's what it does right here. Turn over uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 9, okay? Uh, why is this freeing, okay? 
chances are all of us do uh, agree on something, all right? Is that we very much agree that God absolutely depends. Everything is depending on you to make the church great. Everything is depending on you. Like, listen, if there's somebody in here visiting and you didn't talk to them, they're probably not going to become a disciple. Like, if you didn't have a quiet time and your brother is struggling, he's struggling because you didn't have a quiet time. Because everything's about you. There's no power in God. It's just like this mystical thing we're doing. And I love this. We need these reminders, okay? If I want to live, if I want to really be free to live. Here's what I need reminding, okay? Deuteronomy 9, 4. When the Lord your God drives out, so he's talking about he's going to drive out the enemy. When, they dri- when the Lord your God drives them out before you, don't say the Lord brought me in to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. Don't say that. Uh, you, you want to know what? Something good happened to you today? Don't say it's because you had a good quiet time. Don't say it because you gave to the church today. Seriously, I mean, don't say those things. Don't say, oh, you know what? <laughs> man, something really great happened today. Uh, man, God is, God is good. God, isn't good, God good off, always? Like, like, when isn't he? But we think, oh, man, okay, I got this. It must have been because, you know, I had that quiet time that was so humble. And God came through. Hear these words, please. Don't say that anything happened because of your righteousness. Instead, the Lord will drive out these nations because of their wickedness. You are not going to take possession of their land because of your righteousness or your integrity. Have you ever done that before? You're like, man, I repented of some sin, and man, God just opened the floodgates the next day. Okay, meaning like, okay, when my integrity gets right, that's when God notices me. Really? Like, okay, so where, in, in, in that world, where is God working and not working? Like, if you haven't noticed, the world is not a world of integrity. Like, where, where and when? I'd be curious to know. Like, in that thinking, like, there's no way we can love this God because he's too moody. Right? And, and then his integrity is like, well, how do, what, is Patrick's integrity better than my integrity? And, gosh, how do we handle all that stuff? If we want to live, we have to remember one thing. Dude, God is not sitting up there waiting for me to do great things. And, and that right there, you may go, Keith, see, you want to know what? That's why we're sitting in a room of 50 people. Because you don't preach it, man. <laughs> like what you need to preach is you need to get out there and you need to be saying some things. You need to be, I'm going, uh, you could say all that stuff. It, it, isn't it amazing, like if we were to do kind of just, it just kind of had a survey I sent out. I said, what would you say about this brother or sister that gave? made disciples, proclaimed the gospel, was righteous, had very influential to people. Um, almost all of us would say, we need that guy in the church, wherever you're in church. You mean he's consistent? I mean, he helps people, he makes disciples, he's influential, he gives all these things. That's the exact list Jesus said the Pharisees were about in Matthew 23. He actually said they did all of that. All right. So if that's what you're really waiting for, is this like you need to go, you need to do this, you need to do a, and, and, and fine, leave the gospel behind, but please don't call yourself a Christian. Start a club, start a start a club of good people. But if it doesn't have anything to do with the gospel, we are making people twice the sons of hell that we are. All right. I mean, that's just let's be real about that. Okay. Um, so 
What's the other thing we're free to do is to, to let go instead of being bitter? Think, think about the bitterness that kind of runs through your heart on a daily basis. Somebody did something. Somebody said something. You didn't get something you thought you were supposed to get. Somebody else got something that you needed. Why does that person get that and I didn't get this? And how come? And it's just like this bitterness. And you, you know what the gospel says? It's safe to be humble and to let it go. And, and ask yourself, like, how much are you hanging on to? Okay. Uh, you, you might even think of somebody, and if you saw them walk in the door, it would, infuri- like, internally would just infuriate you to see them. Because you hadn't let go. I, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like when you hang on and what it feels like when you let go. All right? And I'm going to tell you, there is no freedom when we're hanging on to stuff. And we're thinking, you know what that person did? And why isn't God, you ever thought that before? Why isn't God punishing them? Like, they still get good things. I've thought this before. Like, why are they getting good things? Well, why isn't God like, he, God, don't you know that they hurt your favorite son? And you must not like them, but I know you like me. And it, isn't it a hard truth to understand that we would go, you mean God loves them as much as he loves me? That's a hard truth, but we're not going to be free to live. We're not going to be free to live. We're, we're going to be in this performance mode. You know how tiring that is? Have you ever been in that before? Where you're putting on a performance. You know you're putting on a performance. You're holding on to bitterness. There is no life there. There's no good news. And then go out and try to share with somebody how great it is to be a disciple. you got to make something up, right? And here's, this is the one right here. This may, I don't know, man. I mean, you may go, okay, I'm out of here. Last straw. He's talking about that you're actually going to enjoy being a disciple. Like being a disciple is enjoyable. Right. Is it enjoyable? That, that's the question. Do you enjoy, you're like, well, yeah, when, when, when God is doing stuff. What if, like, what about those times nothing's happening? Do you enjoy being his disciple? See, the gospel allows us to be humble enough to enjoy God unconditionally. But there's a really good chance we have a variety of conditions we put on God. I like the gospel. Uh, I can buy into humility. But God, I'll enjoy you when you do what? I'll enjoy you when you give me this thing. I will enjoy you when I, when I reach this thing. All right? That's not okay. The gospel's saying I have to be your complete and total passion. Okay? Look over in Psalm chapter 27. Sometimes we think these are just like pie in the sky. Sometimes we think, man, I'm not like this. I don't say these words. I, don't, I can't feel this way. This isn't pie-in-the-sky stuff right here. This isn't like a select few to have this. But Psalm 27, verse 4, I've asked one thing from the Lord, and it's what I desire. What's the one thing you ask of the Lord? What's the one thing you're asking? He says, this is my one thing to dwell in his house all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord. Did this, like, did David have nothing else to pray for? (laughs) Like, was there nothing else going on in his life? 
There was no hardship. He said, there's only one thing I'm praying for. If you give me 10 seconds to pray, I know the one thing I'm praying for. Man, I want to sit there and I want to stare at God and go, that is the awesomest thing in the world. But there's nothing better than that. All right? Chance, there's a very good chance that we could be sitting here going, that sounds stupid. <laughs> so, so, Keith, what you're saying is, is that we should all just sit around and not do anything. That is the comp- if that's what the gospel has produced in you, you're following a different gospel. The gospel produces people who are consumed with God. The gospel produces a people consumed with a passion for God. If the gospel you're believing is saying that if I ever really like, no, 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 uh, like I can't just sit there and enjoy God because then we'll all get lazy and, and, and we'll allow sin. That's not the gospel. I mean, God sent his son to die. He was serious about sin. He was serious about discipleship. He was serious about community. He was serious about all those things. But he said, you want to know what? I can do one of two things. I can either just turn my church into a group of people that all are competing and comparing with one another. And each person is trying to one up the other person in order to get them to do something. Or I can die for them in their worst moment and they can know that they are loved. And that's what's going to change them. Which one sounds more doable to you? Which one sounds more like we could, ha- we could have some control in the church if we subscribe to the other method? Strong people get on the weak people until they're strong. D- just keep doing that. And if they don't like it, by golly, you tell them to get out. That's very interesting because that doesn't seem like Jesus' method. It seemed like when you were at your worst, I'm dying for you. There isn't anything that, that stimulates me more than that. Nothing makes me more. There is nothing I've ever learned that makes me want to say no to sin more than that. Right. Nothing. Right. There's absolutely nothing. I mean, I, I can be type A and like just muscle down and not sin. But this makes me not want to sin. There isn't anything that makes me want to talk to people more than this. If you were to come and tell me, Keith, if you want to be a Christian, you better get out there and share your faith. I'd go, oh, dang, I don't want to share my faith. You tell me God died for me, I'm like, who can I tell? Like, nothing stimulates that more. Nothing does that, and it's the same with you, too. Unless the gospel hasn't been embodied. And so I want to leave us with this right here as we think about this. Has the gospel captivated my soul? It's not just information. It actually changes how I interact with my wife, my roommate. Here's the thing. If you want to be a wizard in the church, when it comes to advice giving, and you may not want to be a wizard, okay? You're like, wizards are stupid. Okay, whatever you want. I don't really like them either, okay? <laughs> don't think what you're thinking about me, okay? No, but, but here's the deal is, there are so many times I hear people say, well, I, listen, you all know what? I don't know if I can help that guy because he's married and I'm not married. I don't know if I can help that. Man, you know, I mean, they're different than me. I don't know if I can help them. Here's the deal is, you want to know what? You don't have to know anything about dating. You don't have to know anything about marriage. You don't have to know anything about nothing to know that you sit down with somebody and you go, listen, whatever your problem is, 
the gospel will fix it. And that, that's not just words. Like, let's sit down and look into that. Like, if Jesus really did this, if he really did this in your worst moments, if he loved you that much, if he rescued you, if he chose you, if that is all true, then how should you date? That makes it easy. You're going, oh, dang, for real? Um, but, but teach me about purity. I just did. <laughs> like, like Paul, that's, that was Paul's discipling, is make every effort to live a life worthy of the gospel you have been to. That, that's it. You're like, well, Paul, you don't know nothing. You, you weren't married. Well, he just married, discipled everybody on that one. Are you living a worthy of the gospel? But how should I treat my wife? Worthy of the gospel. How should I treat my, 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 my kids? Worthy of the gospel. Is it worthy of the gospel? Worthy of a man dying? Worthy of a man choosing you? Is it, is it worthy of that? That's a pretty high standard. All right? That's the thing. Is you, that revolutionizes how we help one another because we don't need you to be a specialist in order to help one another. We've all got to be on the same page when it comes to the gospel.